Fair warning, this story begins back when people used to drink Zimas with grenadine, when you could buy ninja spikes in Times Square, when Hooters had an airline. Testosterone levels were higher. Those days I'd be out the door every day at 4.01 and heading straight to the gym. Then I'd take off to the bar to get aggressively drunk with other traders. One day at the gym I found myself working in with another guy. Let's call him Bart. Bart's shirt has AK-47s and pineapples on it. We're the only two straight guys lifting real weights at an Equinox. He's like, you like monster trucks? Fuck yeah, I like monster trucks. We become friends making fun of people curling in the squat racks. Bart's not a traitor, but I figure he'll get on with those sorts of people. So I invite him out for beers, and the first person I introduce him to ball taps him. Really hard. He's like, oof. Turns out they met each other the year before. All I'll say about that guy is I suspect he has pissed on a lot of girls on the Upper West Side. Anyway, it's all angry young man energy at the bar until Doreen shows up. Back then, Doreen was all Harlem. Always wanted to do things on her time. Lazy as fuck. She's also good value. Smarter than most, as well as a decent bartender who can still outdrink all of us. A few hours later, some of the group return to her bar to do shots. There, Bart and Doreen get to talking. He tries the standard pickup line on her that she should get into sales on Wall Street, and she takes him seriously. Goes out and does just that. She finds a role as an assistant at DLJ, then a sales job at Raymond James alongside Bart. Eventually, she converts that experience to head of sales at another second-tier firm, where she probably earned a couple of sticks. Not bad for a backpacker who originally settled in Williamsburg after buying a timeout from some crackhead on the L train. Doreen and I were good when she was a bartender, but some relationships don't last the Wall Street crucible. In those days, I unnecessarily agonized over whether someone was friends with me or my seat. I was insecure, and I also wanted to bang her, I guess. Anyway, some years after we had drifted apart, I found myself with an invite to her wedding. Turns out, she and Bart were getting married. They were both party animals, but my assumption was the event would be low-key, in line with my own descent into middle-aged comfortable living. Not the case. I walk into Cipriani's and the place is a zoo. Everyone is screaming and yelling. Guests have stolen bottles from behind the bar and techno music is pounding through the speakers. People are slam dancing in a makeshift mosh pit. It's totally out of control and the staff all look shell-shocked. My partner is equally taken aback and, to be honest, so am I. This is supposed to be New York high society, but they all seem to have lost their minds. Eventually, Bart gets everyone calmed down enough to sit for dinner, and his best man gives a speech that is so uncomfortable, I still can't get over it. He stands up and says, Yes, Doreen isn't like the other wildebeests Bart dated, but she's too short to give him strong kids. Her parents don't have enough money, and she could do a better job of waxing her top lip. It goes on like this entirely too long to be remotely funny, until Jason concludes by saying he has a car waiting outside, a PJ on the tarmac, and Bart should get out of the marriage while there's still time. They can be at the Mandalay in six hours. I'm horrified, but Doreen just laughs and throws bread rolls at him. Then the meal is over and everyone turns back into hill people. Tables are shoved aside to expand the dance floor. Someone smashes a glass and some of the bridesmaids are barefoot. Turns out feet bleed. A lot. It's a wild scene. I see Doreen only briefly as she is heading to the bathroom. She had thrown up all over her wedding dress. My partner goes to help her and later explains the bride had been starving herself for a month before kicking the day off by drinking at 8 a.m. 
It's just too much, and she needed someone to hold her hair while she got the rest of her lunch out. I'm waiting outside for them when she bounces out of there in a change of clothes, elbows past me, and skips back into the melee. I'm in all kinds of trouble with my date, so I went home, and that was the last time I saw Doreen. She was a force of nature, speeding relentlessly upwards as I spiraled ever downward into relative mediocrity. Skip forward to the present day. It takes a while to get her to call me back. Yes, she knows about the podcast. No, she doesn't listen to it. Bart and her are heading east in a couple of weeks. Maybe she'll check it out on the plane. But it's not like she's flying commercial. She'd heard I work for a small hedge fund now. Was sorry to hear things didn't work out for me. Condescension doesn't sting at all. I've just moved on. But there is something I want to get at in our conversation. I can tell I only have a matter of minutes before she wanders back to whatever it is she does Monday to Friday. This is what I want to know. How, at the highest levels of Wall Street, does she maintain a crew of maniacs that are still partying like we were in our 20s? She's surrounded by successful men at the top of their game, but fits in and even outstrips them in enthusiasm. For women who want to take that approach to Wall Street, to beat males at their own game, what would her advice to them be? And this is what she said. There are differences between men and women. As a woman in one of the last male-dominated white-collar businesses, you need to accept that. If you give a baby female chimp a soft toy, it will carry it around for a week. Males just tear it apart to see what's inside. The best men, at the tail end of the curve, are aggressive and courageous and determined. They are decisive and clear about their goals. Recognize that you get to be in partnership with those very admirable traits. Mock strong men and you'll find partners without chests. You'll end up with neither virtue nor enterprise. 